Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. And this week's episode, my guest is Eddie Brennan from Beacon Skiff Apple Orchards. Well, you know, I've said this before. It's so much fun to sit across from someone on the podcast who I've never met before. And I've been doing this podcast now for, I think, four or five years. And it's sad to say this, but I'm happy that I can say it. And that is I've just kind of discovered this podcast is not about me. It's not about my stories. It's not about my opinions. Uh, it's about the guests. And so I feel like I'm learning that more and more. Um, and I feel like I've gotten better at podcasting and, and talking to people and interviewing them and trying to pull out things about them that I'm I'm genuinely interested in. I often, I, it's very rare that I sit here across from a guest and think about the listener. I often sit here and think about what, do, what am I curious about this individual? What questions do I have about them? And um, there are some times where I talk to restaurant owners or business owners, and, and I, I know that they have a piece of information that I want to get out to the public. Like, I want to get out to you listeners. And so I'll, we'll talk about those things. But most of the time, it's just my general curiosity. And, um, and that's how it is with Eddie. And I, I, don't, I think that that always comes out best when I'm talking to someone who I don't know. And so... I really just, I loved sitting across from Eddie and talking to him on the podcast. Um, as a person who lives in central New York, there's there's been some guests over the years who um, have really made me proud to be a citizen of Syracuse and central New York. And this is one of those. It's really inspiring to me to think about Beacon Skiff and all that that company has become uh, in the past 20 years. And to think that they're a local company, it's they're based here and they're not based, they are here in central New York, they're in Lafayette. And to think that they have built so much and gone from an apple orchard with a, you know, a small place to get some cider donuts and a little tiny area for pony rides to now this hugely impressive, massive company with 1911 and hard cider and You'll hear some other things that really aren't um, in the public eye that Beacon Skiff produces. And now with Heirloom, it's just, and their huge concert series, bringing in national recording artists to perform here uh, on the orchard. It's it's really inspiring. And so, yeah, I can't say enough great things about this conversation that I had with Eddie and uh, just this general sense of gratitude, I feel, for knowing that this company is building their legacy here in central New York. As a business owner, it's inspiring because it kind of shows us, it kind of, you know, raises the ceiling, I think, you know, if, uh, and I'm sure that there's plenty of companies out there that have done wonderful things. I know there are tons of companies that are are doing and have done wonderful things here in central New York, but um, in the food service world and hospitality, it's like Beacon Skiff is raising the ceiling for us on what's possible um, in terms of growth for other food and hospitality companies here in our area. Uh, well, I'm just coming off of it's Tuesday. It's very rare that I record these intros prior, like the same day that the episode's going out, but uh, I wanted to do that for this one. Um, I, I, it's Tuesday. I'm just coming off of Super Bowl Sunday, which, you know, for those of you who have listened to the episodes, you know, or listened to multiple episodes or the past couple months, you know that I've I've stepped into a role of at Limp Lizard in North Syracuse of running that restaurant along with having my restaurant through and fried there. And it's been really an eye-opening experience. I've always known that, you know, the challenges and and being in the operational side of restaurants and and I've listened for years to owners talk about the struggles they've had and growing up with a dad that was in the restaurant industry. I've known just how challenging that can be, but there's something about being in, like, being running a restaurant right now, being in the kitchen, doing the prep work, placing the orders, trying to manage food cost and food waste, and and all of those things. It's, it's today. It's really, 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 really interesting. It's eye opening, to be honest, to see, to understand more how much of a struggle how physically and mentally demanding it is to be in a restaurant. Um, things are just so heightened there. It's, it's, it, it's 
It's an odd space. And so we just came off Super Bowl Sunday, which was just this insanely busy day. Um, you know, I feel like, and I don't say this just because I'm connected to them, but I don't know of a restaurant in the area that has, has done more over the past three years to to stay relevant and constantly come out with new events and promotions and stay in the news than Limp Lizard has. They've just, it's like every, if there's a lull, then Nick just comes up with something and does it. And it's it's really inspiring. And, and, and it's inspiring to see how hard that guy and the whole team at Limp Lizard works um, to constantly stay relevant and constantly get people in the door. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, my point is it's, 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 it's been a wild month and a half. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I've ever been this tired or physically sore, but it's also a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to think through these new sets of challenges. It's something I wish a lot of Instagrammers and, and fellow, like, foodies, especially in our area, would do, and that is to go work for, like, a month in a restaurant because, um, yeah, a lot of them just, you know, this isn't like an attack on Instagrammers, although it kind of is, but they just don't really get it. These the conversations. I, I just had this conversation with an uh, Instagrammer about um, a situation, and the whole time that I was talking to them, I just kept thinking to myself, you've never worked a day in of your life in a restaurant. You've There's 0% chance that you know what it means to actually make food and serve it to people um, or to buy food and, and try and sell it. So... Um, it's just a really interesting, and I think that's a challenge that I have a lot on, you know, like th- this podcast, for example, I know that it's it's a lot of industry people, you know, our, our, our reach has been growing throughout the years, but a lot, I think, of our listeners are industry people. Um, if you're not, if they're, if you're not an owner or worker or employee in the restaurant industry or food service in some capacity, I feel like you're at least an avid fan of it. And so, um, Oftentimes, my the things that I put out here on the podcast are geared with that in mind. But on our Instagram and our TikTok and social media pages, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not. I've 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 had the, I've I've had the missteps of trying to go more industry focused in the past on that. And I, I you know I'm trying to reach the masses there. I'm trying to get people into restaurants. So it's it's important. I'm trying to keep that as like customer facing as possible. But um, uh, and that's just been something I've, you know, it's, we have two, two very different sides to eat local New York. So trying to balance those out and yeah, it's been challenging over the years, but it's also a lot of fun. It's exciting. That is some of my favorite things to do or is everything associated with eat local New York from this podcast to the new content, the shows that we've been putting out every single week. It's been a lot of fun. And I'm also really excited for some projects that we've got in the works. I can't tell you about them now. But I will say if you're a subscriber on our Instagram account for $5 a month, I'm telling, releasing all that content and, and telling our subscribers all about the projects that are happening over there. Um, but we've got some fun projects. I'm just really excited to, that this is going to be a huge year for Eat Local New York and, and hopefully move the food scene forward here in our area. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation, my podcast, my conversation with Eddie Brennan from Beacon Skiff Apple Orchards. So what made you all want to get into, I mean, I'm fast, I'm curious about the entire kind of history of the farm and you know, right. Beacon Skiff and the family, but... When did you all start to first kind of make the jump into cannabis? Yeah, well, really, it was about four years ago when we looked at really diversifying the farm, and and there happened there was a two week window where you could apply for uh, uh, to enter the New York pilot program to get into the CBD, CBD business. So okay. we thought it'd be a great great way to get into you know diver, diversify the farm, add another crop, and also we were you know beverage manufacturing and creating um, CBD. We had an idea to create a CBD infused beverage. Um, really to diversify the beverage and it all it all sort of came together so we kind of snuck through in in that two-week window to apply through the research program and Mm. yeah that that was our first entry so no experience in the Mm. in the industry at all um, but really saw you know similar to the hard cider business and the spirits 
uh, a way for us to change, be innovative, and try something new. But it was a, at the time, it was a hail mary. And looking back now, you know, was a was a backdoor really into getting into regulated cannabis now. Which so yeah. we we really got a head start in there, which is great. Yeah, is that kind of like is it easier to get into a regular cannabis when you've already been doing CBD, or is it more difficult? Yeah, well, so actually, what New York State said on the <laughs> on the grow side is if you had grown for three out of the last four years. Hmm. Um, you could qualify to get a grow license. Wow. Um, so so they basically New York State looked at the existing hemp infrastructure, the processing and the growing and said, you know, why don't we take advantage of this infrastructure? And CBD mm. had this quick boom bust cycle that we were all caught in where um, the business mm. shot up and then crumbled very quickly. So there were a lot of really struggling CBD mm. farmers out hemp farmers out there. So we yeah, we took we took advantage of it, and not only did we have the infrastructure for growing, but we also built this whole processing facility, hmm. um, which overnight we could convert over to processing THC. Yeah, that's wild. But the whole it's been the whole evolution into the business has been fascinating because on a daily basis, actually, before I walked in here, I got an email from from a you know a Beacon Skiff OG customer who. <laughs> feels the need to send me an email and tell me about, you know, maybe I'm going to go to hell or, you know, I'm, I can't believe the fifth generation has turned into drug dealers. And so I still get this, you know, and like in 2023, you know, there's still this whole stigma around the plant yeah and people have no issue with bourbon and making 190 right. proof alcohol. But when you talk about cannabis, um, you know, people have a lot of issues. So that's been yeah. fascinating to, to try to break down the stigma and, and teach people about the crop and, um, yeah, really, really talk about how I use cannabis in my day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is like, what is the market for legalized cannabis in New York state? Is it converting the, like the, you know, quintessential pothead that's been right. smoking that now can do it legally? Or is it trying to convert, you know, grandma and grandpa or mom and dad who have yeah. never thought about it in that way before? Totally. Well, my team says I can never say the word like soccer mom, but ultimately that's <laughs> like, as we look at like our five milligram beverages and edibles, that's that's the customer. We're not going for the guy who uses 100 milligrams yeah. in a sitting or 1,000 milligrams. We're looking to convert, you know, the mom or the, or the person who maybe goes to a party with their friends. They're not going to pull out a joint and smoke it, but maybe they'll bring a beverage and that'll be socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. they'll wake up the next morning and maybe not have a huge hangover. And, yeah. and I say that as a as a person who makes a lot of alcohol. Right. Um, you know, I, I see so many more benefits with this plant and what it can do for people's mental health and what it can do for people's aches and pains. And, you know, next time somebody have sur- has surgery, maybe they don't take a Vicodin, they take yeah. cannabis and that could be a that could be a really good thing as well. So, hmm. but, you know, regulated cannabis is a beautiful thing. And, and I hope that, you know, it's less yeah. about the legacy user and more about getting people into experience. Yeah. The plant. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, I, I work one of the, one of our social media clients is Willow Rock Brewing. And, yeah. Great company. Yeah. And I'm always, uh, I'm, I kind of have this conversation with them about, you know, like, who are we trying to talk to? Like when in craft, craft breweries, it's very little about kind of the party, let's go get drunk with our beer, whatever the case right. is, you know? And so, but it's odd because it is a product that, you know, if you consume enough of them, you're going to get wasted. Right. And so trying to, you know, kind of figure that out, it's like, all right, who are we really trying to go after? Are we going to make more money, get more sales if we go after that guy who's drinking a six pack a night of yeah. that blue? Or are we going to just go after the person who's buying a case of the latest hazy every single month? Right. You know? Yeah. So, or looking for quality and, you know, it's interesting when we have, a, you know, a fall day at Beacon Skiff, we don't see a lot of people getting really drunk. You know, you see yeah. people wanting to taste or learn more about the product or enjoy with their family. And when we started our, the fourth generation who actually built our distillery, they located it away from our main Apple Hill campus. So a, mm. a lot of people realize it's down the hill. Yeah. And the thought process behind that was, oh, well, they didn't want to put alcohol in a family-friendly environment and now jump to today where we're doing <laughs> cannabis and alcohol and concerts. My wife and I always say it's going to be really hard. So I have a daughter who's seven and a daughter who's nine. Like when they're in high school, like we're going to be the parents who's, you know, dad's a concert promoter, he grows <laughs> weed and, and, and he sells alcohol. So it's like the trifecta yeah. of, of these, um, these sins we're creating. So <laughs> that'll be, that'll be really fun to see, you know, see what happens. But, um, that's hilarious. You know, when I showed up at Beacon Skiff 10 years ago from New York city, I came back to the family business, which I never expected I would. They kind of stuck me in a little little corner <laughs> corner closet, yeah. and I worked my way out from there. But um, 
it's fun to think where, where the business has grown to and what we're doing. And yeah. Yeah. So what is that history of the, you know, of the family and the farm? Yeah. Well, so started in 1911, which is kind of where we get our, our 1911. So, yeah. um, you know, I, myself, uh, my cousin Pete, who runs our farm, mm-hmm. and then there's two beaks that are, that operate in the business. We, we represent the fifth generation. Okay. And my wife, Marianne handles all of our marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so five generations, but as you look back, you know, we really started as an apple orchard. So still today we operate a thousand acre apple orchard mm. in, in Lafayette. And that's, that's really the core of our, of the farm and, and something doesn't make a lot of money for us, but it's, it's who we are and, yeah. and, and everything we do is to preserve that thousand acres. So, you know, we, that's where we started and, and today we're what we still have. But from there, we evolved into, you know, starting a fresh, fresh cider operation. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, we were one of the first farms to invent flash pasteurization with Cornell mm. University, yeah. which was revolutionary for us at the time because we went from being able to uh, shelf stability on cider for like a week to like 90 days, which mm. was which was huge. And that was kind of what we did. We kept evolving into new new product categories. But in the um, early 2000s, the farm fell on really hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, we hadn't hadn't diversified as much and really relied on being an apple farm mm. and two really tough crops almost put the business mm. business out. Um, mm. And so, you know, the, the fifth generation kind of came into the fold and, and pushed gently on new ideas and were quickly rejected. Yeah. And um, ultimately we ended up, you know, buying out some of the, the previous owners who were just, you know, looking to go on with their lives and, and retire. Yeah. And some of our new ideas, we, we, brought into the forefront and, hmm. you know, taking an apple, which is a commodity and trying to bring it into something with value, mm-hmm. creating a business like 1911, where there's more elasticity in the hard cider business. Yeah. Um, it's fun, but every, everything we do, we try to create excitement around, around the farm and, yeah. and a reason for people to come. Cause we're kind of out, out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, you know, we, we want to create reasons for people to show up. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you're out in the middle of nowhere, but the, 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 you know, family farm attraction based things are like, at least, uh, currently it's what, like, what is the biggest thing in Syracuse or in central New York? Right. You know, I mean, there's you all, which are, you know, Beacon Skiff 1911, which is like the Mecca of all yeah. of those things. And then you have spots like Heritage Hill that have popped up in the last yeah, couple of years. And they're doing are, such a great job. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's wild. I've, I'm actually connected to Abbott farms in Beeville. Okay. And, great family um, business. Yeah. And so I've I've helped them with their social for the past couple of years on a low level. And then this past year, they needed help with their bar. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to think about it because they've they were they had always said they never wanted to get into alcohol at all. Yeah. You know, really strong. Everyone kind of everyone always says that. <laughs> right. And then they see how much money it makes. Yeah. Um, and so they had always said that. And then they're like, no, we never really want to push alcohol or anything like that. And then this past year, it was like, hey, we need to get the bar going. Can you help? Yeah. So I helped them with their bar program uh, this past season. And it was a lot of fun, but it's really, really interesting to just see how those different crops, strawberry, blueberries for them, apples, brings in all these people. And you're right. Yeah. You don't make money off that. You make money off of everything else that's right. surrounding it. And it's it. a short season, right? You got to take advantage of that, yeah. you know, summer to that third week of October. Yeah. And, you know, you have a, you have a quick, quick season. Um, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been really cool to see how farms, local farms have reinvented themselves. Yeah. And, you know, it really started with that farm brewery, farm distillery, farm winery, like those licenses. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what saved our family farm. Yeah. The 1911 brand saved the farm. And that's the bottom line is, is it allowed us to continue. When did that, when did 1911 first get going? Was yeah, it in- so that's, we're coming up on 10 years old. So okay. we did have a Beacon Skiff hard cider brand, which was a smaller business. Um, but we really knew we wanted to evolve into, uh, into hard cider. And, and if you remember back 10 years ago is when the gluten-free movement was really mm-hmm. kicking off and hard cider was a great alternative to beer. Yeah. Um, and there weren't a lot of people in the hard cider, hard cider space. You know, Angry Orchard had created a brand through Boston beer, which had like 70% market share, but there was a real opportunity for like local craft businesses. So kind of following the same model as a lot of the craft brewery, local craft breweries. Um, and we just had such an authentic story we could control from, you know, we grow our apples, yeah. you know, we produce everything. And our big def- defining feature was using hundred percent fresh cider, which, which actually is, is uncommon in the hard cider business. A lot mm-hmm. of people use concentrate, 
you know, a lot of added sugar and, and we try to create a little bit of a healthier alternative. Yeah. And I think people just connected with that. And we, and we had people who, who would, you know, make the pilgrimage to Beacon Skiff every year. And we just had such an opportunity to put the product in front of them, mm-hmm. have them sample it and try it. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of growing pains along the way and, you know, hard lessons and from like dragging kegs of cider <laughs> down the stairs at Empire Brewery, you know, in, my, in the back of my truck or standing at Wegmans and doing tastings, you know, it was a grind and, and it continues to be to try to continue to reinvent yourself and come out with new products. Yeah. So, I mean, did growing up, I mean, were you on the farm? Were you out there, you know, in the fields with, you know, grandpa and uncles and dad and all them? I mean, what was yeah, that like growing so, up? So not, not too much. I mean, I worked, I would work summers at, at Beacon Skiff, yeah. but vowed never really to, to live in central New York. You know, I always had a dream to live somewhere else or in the city, or I actually grew up in Hawaii for a little bit. My dad's oh. job took us around. So my, my immediate family wasn't involved in Beacon Skiff okay. over the years. Um, so it was really the last place I thought I would end up, but just there was such an opportunity um, looking back over the history of Beacon Skiff when the farm fell on hard times, we still had this core you know, three-month business where we had hundreds of thousands of people who would come to our farm, and it was a small, small window. But you know, we knew if we could create the right product, we could we could really save the business. Yeah. Um, and so we we like to we like to create you know lots of changes at Beacon Skiff, and the, and the team sometimes in the beginning struggled to keep up, and now they're now they get excited. And I think you know we have a really young management team who who loves to try new things. Mm-hmm. You know, we've started a lot of. A lot of concepts that have failed over the years that you don't hear about, but um, the community of Syracuse really embraces their local yeah. companies, which has been so fun to see over the years. Um, they've given us such loyalty and really believed in what we're doing. And, and in return, we've tried to do fun things like our concert series and, yeah. um, you know, all the tours that we do. We just try to create excitement and, and give back to the community as much as possible. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um what is that family history? I mean, uh, you said your cousin uh, is it, manages the farm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're, we we like to think we like to say the fifth generation um, has gotten along as a collective group better than any of the other generations. <laughs> so like we haven't killed each other. You know, we we all work together. You know, at the end of the day, I, I'm the leading voice and I've, I have to be in charge. But we all have found a way to work together, and and that's probably what we're most proud of because I think. A lot of family businesses fracture, and yeah. um, if, you know, if there's not that one voice, you know, it can lead to to a mutiny. And so we we've we've hung together and kind of supported each other. So my cousin Pete Fleckenstein, he runs the apple orchard and the fresh, and oversees the fresh plant plant with um, Richard Beak. Who's so there are Beaks mm. and Skiffs. Nice. So Pete and I are are of the Skiff lineage. We just okay. have different last names. And then there's Jackie Beak who runs our logistics, and Richard Beak who mm. runs the cider mill. So that's really fun to see, see us all in the business. We all kind of stay out of each other's ways, ways yeah. and have our own, own identities. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's been really cool. But the history is my grandfather, uh, Marshall, who was third generation had five daughters. So he okay. kept trying to have a son, kept having daughters. <laughs> um, and a lot of the, the daughters, husbands got into the business. Not so, cool. um, so there was a lot of, you know, his, um, son-in-laws were running, running the company yeah. for a long time. But you know, in the '70s and '80s, um, kept relying on that on the farm, and and for a long time, apples you could make money in apples. Right. And then once you know imports came from China and the West Coast, mm. it just became became more and more challenging to to operate a farm. Oh, for sure. At scale. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's wild to think how you know the labor. I mean, uh, being connected to Abbotts and seeing over this, like especially this past year, mm-hmm. it's two guys out there. It's you know. Uh, it's Warren, who's in his fifties, and then it's his dad, who's in his you know late eighties, and yeah. it's those two that run the farm. Right, and it's wild to think that they're managing all that acreage and all those crops, and you know just in charge of the entire show. And you um, think of all the knowledge they have, right, about trimming oh, apple yeah. trees or planting strawberries, and and that's there's so much knowledge that goes into that. That you know where does that go over time? Yeah, you know, we've had to transition a lot of our farm labor to H2A, so we bring in yeah. 50 guys from Jamaica who come and they actually live on our farm. And because every you know we have 400,000 apple trees, every tree has to be hand trimmed. <laughs> you know, this time of year where it's going to be what like 10 degrees today, there's guys out trimming you know trimming trees, yeah. and then every tree has to be hand picked. So every apple has to be picked by hand. There's no technology to like yeah. shake the apple tree and hmm. and get all the apples off. So um, yeah, it's a, it's insane. Tough side of the tough side of the business. You know, like our, 
our marketing girls are like, like, hey, look out there, like the guys who are doing the real work, you know, in the, in the orchard and doing all the hard stuff when it when the season's not great. You know, everybody likes to come to Beacon Skiff in September when it's sunny and pick the apples, but you know, don't realize all the work that goes in, you know, behind the scenes. Oh yeah, it's it's wild. I would leave the bar sometimes at night, at like you know ten ten thirty at night, and across the field, especially right after strawberry season, I would see Warren out there with a headlamp at you know, 10 o'clock at night, just rebuilding those strawberry beds. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's insane the amount of work that goes into yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of passion, I'm sure, behind that too. Oh, you for know, sure. They love what they... Yeah. It's, you know, it's, I forget what generation they are, but, uh, yeah. So, um, oh man, there's a lot of questions I want to ask you. Uh, so mid 2000s, 19 or 10 years ago, 1911 starts to pop up. What was like the first, what was your like the first entry into that world, and what was that like? Thinking about okay, are we going to get into spirits and you know distilling and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had a we had the product. Um, we knew we knew we were onto something when people were trying the product, and you know, you would get that reaction like, oh, this is different. You know, so maybe a beer drinker who hadn't tried hard mm. cider before, but we knew we had to we knew we had to kind of break away from Beacon Skiff and create a new, a new sub brand. So 1911, we wanted to create something that could stand on its own. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Beacon Skiff really being the pillar of the farm, but we wanted to create a new, a newer product, but breaking out was really, really hard. So we mm -hmm. were um, starting really from scratch and, and, and the way we did it was, you know, self-distribution. So we didn't go to a, a beer mm -hmm. distributor right away. You know, we, we took the path of, a, a tough path now that I look back and that literally we were distributing to all the local, local accounts here. So hmm. I reference empire brewery, but we were literally bringing a keg each week down there. And so, <laughs> so you learn the hard way in, in getting into those, into those accounts, but building a brand is really hard. Yeah. And now we're doing it with heirloom, but it's, it's a, it's a hard lift in, in teaching people about what makes your product different than other products. You know, uh, hard cider is about two, two to three percent of the beer business nationally. So it's a, it's already a niche business. Yeah. But what we found is if we could get, you know, if a if a bar has twelve draft lines, that we could get that one cider line, you know, we could keep it. Yeah. And and there were less less cider brands at the time, but you know, I I would stand at Wegman's at six o'clock on a Friday afternoon. You know, my dad <laughs> would be at one, my brother would be at another one, and I'd be at one, and we'd be texting each other. We'd have a contest who could sell the most <laughs> six packs at the time. Um, you know, just sampling people, but that's, that's really what it took to build the brand. Hmm. Building brands is really, it takes, it takes a ton of, a ton of work to connect, connect with people. I think people are so quick to go on to the next thing now. So to build that loyalty yeah. is, is a challenge. And that's, that's, uh, luckily what we've been able to do with 1911, because I think when they try it, they understand the quality and the value and the, and what makes it a, now a 12.99 four pack versus maybe a six or seven ninety nine four pack back yeah. in the day. So it all goes back to that that 100% farm farm fresh but scaling that so starting from you know we were in a little little garage to scaling you know what we're at now hmm. that whole process man we made every mistake you could possibly <laughs> make from you know overflowing a 4000 gallon tank to you know dumping a tanker on the street of of cider to <laughs> putting the putting the labeler on the wrong side of the bottling line. I mean, it's just like all a comedy of errors, right? We made so many mistakes, but yeah. But at the end of the day, what we had was passion and excitement for the products. Yeah. And you know, we wanted to build a brand that could sustain to that sixth generation. Yeah. And and the path to the sixth generation was not going to be just having a farm. Mm -hmm. It had to be something unique and different. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of. I mean, I, does it feel weird? Like not weird, but do you ever kind of? sit back in all of what has been built out there because yeah, I remember Beacon Skiff when I was in high school and yeah, you know, I remember, you know, the, the small area for the pony rides and you know, the, you know, jump on the wagon and go out to the apples, but it was it's right. nothing like it is today. And today Beacon Skiff is this massive brand. I'm, I mean, I've never really thought about it in this way until sitting now across from you and talking yeah. about this, but Beacon Skiff is like, you've got to be the largest brand and food service of any sort in central New York. Yeah, we've gotten, I don't have any stats to, to support that, but I know we're the biggest hard cider brand. Um, one of the biggest hard cider brands nationally. And, um, but it's, it's really humbling, you know, when we do a, I think we did Nathaniel Rateliff last year, we had yeah. maybe 5,000 people out there. And I just like had this moment where I was just looking around like, wow, like look hmm. at all these people who are here drinking our product, enjoying the show. And like, 
the fact that he would even want to come play <laughs> at Beacon Skiff is was really cool, or all the artists that we've had over the years, and that's that's been really humbling and cool to to see. Yeah. Um, and it's just been fun to be able to build that in Central New York, right? Because places like Beacon Skiff exist in other places, right. but in Central New York, it's something really special and different. Um, and it all starts with uh, being authentic, mm-hmm. having an authentic voice, having an authentic story. So, so many brands pop up, you know, we talk about cannabis, there's all these brands popping up today. They don't really have authentic stories. You know, yeah. what's your, what's your story? What makes you, we always talk about like, what's our story? What makes us different and authentic? Mm. And at the end of the day, we're a hundred plus year old family, family farm. We maintained our ownership. We're, we're the fifth generation. And that stands for something that means, means something because all the generations along the way could have sold out yeah. and, and left. And, you know, that's, that it creates some pressure for the fifth generation. And I think about what does the sixth generation look like mm-hmm. as I have daughters, but you know, it's amazing to see, you know, the, the people of Syracuse built Beacon Skiff. It wasn't, it wasn't us, right? We, we put things in front of them and created experiences for them. But at the end of the day, they responded to that. They came out. And it's cool to see mm. people who travel to California or Florida, and they're always excited to bring 1911 with them, <laughs> right? As like, this is from Syracuse. It's something, you know, that represents the Syracuse community. And that's been, that's been fun. And as we transition mm. into cannabis, Heirloom, which is the new brand we created, it's a similar, similar story, like grown on our farm, 100% authentic, seed to sale. Like we, hmm. we like to control the process yeah. and quality means something. Yeah, for sure. It's just like, I think about, uh, I mean, we're, uh, you know, to compare it is kind of laughable, but I think of, you know, things that uh, projects or new shows or whatever the hell it is that we're going to do here. Yeah. Um, and I started to run through the process of like, okay, so here's the idea, like here's the finished product and here's step, you know, one through 20 of how we get to that finished product. Right. And I've kind of got the market, the marketing down a little bit, but for me, it's such a small swing for a company like Beacon Skiff, 1911, Heirloom. These are massive swings that you're taking. I mean, nothing that you all do is tiny anymore. Right. Well, we bet the entire company on, cannabis really yeah. i mean at the end of the day like it was a calculated risk that we've taken but we we put it all into cannabis because we mm. really felt strongly i personally felt strongly about the plant because you know i i had used cannabis in my youth but i, I kind of rediscovered it five or six years ago and realized what it really could do and how how powerful the plant is mm-hmm. um and that that was exciting and it's been fun to talk to our customers and try to educate them and you yeah. know everybody has their you know, the, the Reagan era politics were just say no. And, yeah. and, you know, that's, I, res, I respect that. Right. Uh, but no one's dying from, from cannabis and yeah. cannabis isn't creating addiction. Um, but I, it's, it's been fun. And I think heirloom is something that people are going to really connect with. And I, and I look forward to the day where there's dispensaries in central New York. We're not there yet. But, yeah. You know, we'll be in New York city for now and, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it really is interesting. I mean, you know, like I said, from somebody who, used to smoke a lot. And I, I think, it, I think it's really interesting. You know, I'm in my head, I'm, I immediately go to, uh, I used to be a pothead to yeah, discover right. cannabis in my youth, you know, yeah. the gap and you know how I'm sure how language is going to be changing over the next, yeah. you know, couple of years, especially for, you know, specific brands. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but, um, yeah, it's really wild to me to think like how much it's changed, you know, over this time. Yeah. And I, there's, you know, it's hard to be a real a functional alcoholic, you know, there's, right. there's some of them, but like <laughs> cannabis, you know, something you can really incorporate into your daily life. Yeah. Um, and now that there's regulated cannabis, so you know what you're taking, right. you know, like our heirloom beverages are five milligrams per 12 ounces. So you know exactly what you're getting. Okay. So it's like, we're, we're hitting that number, right? It's third party lab tested. And so that's, yeah. that's something people can drink. And, uh, yeah, it's an alternative to alcohol. You know, at the end of the day, cannabis is a threat to the alcohol industry yeah. in the sense that, you know, people are going to maybe choose one and not the other. And, and so it's good to diversify. And everything we've done at Beacon Skiff over the years has been to diversify outside of the the apple business, right? Because inevitably you have a bumper crop and then you're going to have maybe right. some tougher crops. And global warming is real and we're seeing changes in our orchard mm-hmm. um, that make it harder and harder to grow, grow, grow the crop, the apple yeah. crop in, in Lafayette. So... It's good to to diversify. A lot of people don't realize that Beacon Skiff is actually one of the largest producers of cold brew coffee um, really? on the East Coast. Yeah, so we we wait, don't do wait. it under our brand. Cold, on the East Coast, yeah, it's Holy like a cow. crazy 
a crazy stat. So like we we quietly um, make all of the cold brew coffee nationally for Wegmans, Shoprite, <laughs> Hannaford, <laughs> Giant Eagle, Price Right. So like we we have this fresh cider facility and it's super seasonal. So we do it a lot of, a lot of it in the fall. But we created the infrastructure to make cold brew coffee. So hmm. Wegmans approached us. I probably shouldn't talk too much about this, but <laughs> we work with you know we created a proprietary process to make cold brew coffee and. Um, you know, we don't do it under the Beacon Skiff brand, but we make it at scale. So we make, yeah. you know, hundreds of thousands of gallons of it quietly on the side, but it allows mm. us to continue to to keep our hard cider, hard cider, fresh cider business going. And, yeah. and so it's a, just another example of trying to diversify. Is that like the thing that keeps the business afloat? You know, I mean, I think of, you know, running the restaurant, um, you know, at Limp Lizard, right? Like brisket, you know, we sell it for 50, a sandwich for 15 bucks. Well, it costs us $14 to put that food out. Right. That where the, you know, chopped barbecue chicken sandwich we sell for 10 cost us $2. Right. So is that kind of your cold brew? Is it like, that's the thing that kind of keeps everything else moving along? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's not brand building at all, but yeah, it, yeah, it pays for the facility. It keeps keeps the line running, keeps the guys employed and guys and girls. Um, what do you like more so, in thinking about like as a business owner, do you like more thinking about, okay, how can I sell another hundred thousand gallons of cold brew coffee to someone else yeah. for their brand? Or are you, are you more excited about how can I build something like heirloom? Yeah. So all of our facilities, so we have four production facilities, the way we built them is 50%. We want to fill with our own brands and 50% other people's brands. So yeah. even in the cannabis in our processing facility, it's been built to the scale where we can um, take on other people's brands. So mm. you know, people want to be asset light can come in and work with us and, and we can build their brands mm. in house. So in itself, that diverse, that protects us a little bit. Yeah. And that, you know, if our brands don't work, somebody else's brands we can bring in and, yeah. and make those work. So, you know, we're less, less loyal to our own brands and more about creating a sustainable, a sustainable business. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's um, I mean, that's a really big thing with like contract brewing in the beer world. Right. Um, some of these big ones that can sustain, you know, have the staff and have the, you know, Myers Creek is one of them. Yeah. I mean, Matt FX out in Utica, I think. Of course. Yeah, they're, they're huge. Yeah. And they do, I think they do all the contract brewing for Brooklyn Brewing, I They believe. do. Yeah. yeah. Amongst, you know, lots of other, lots of other brands. So it's wild. And then there's in the liquor world, it's kind of the same thing. There's like really six companies that own every major, you know, liquor, you know, liquor brand out right. there, right? Sazerac is a huge one. Um, and uh, Suntory is the, like, the massive one. But um, there's so many of them. Like, I think I even have a couple bottles over there where it's like the juice comes from Heaven Hill or whoever it is. Right. They're just getting the distilled product and maybe... Yeah, they're, they're redistilling it. Yeah. And, yeah. So have you... Is that Has that been a big thing at all for 1911 on that side for companies reaching out to do that? Yeah. Our spirits businesses are smaller, one of our smaller businesses. Yeah. So we just self-distributed in New York State. Um, but it's, you know, it's a, not a small business. It's, it's growing over the years. you self-distribute 1911? Uh, just our spirits. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Hard okay. cider, we use, okay. we use um, you know, beer distributors. Yeah. But spirits, we... Yeah, we still... So self-distribute everything. That's so, wild. Yeah, we keep it, keep it really to you know, fifty-mile radius of, yeah. of here. So it hasn't hasn't grown as much. But you know, listening to myself talk here, there's a lot, a lot of things, a lot of things we're doing, and it's <laughs> I'm always thinking new new ideas. Like we're we're gonna start this really cool. Um, we're gonna start doing these ATV tours at Beacon Skiff. So my friend <laughs> has a has a ranch called Kualoa Ranch in Hawaii. All right. So I saw your pictures on Instagram, and my wife and I had our honeymoon there. Yeah. Um, like we, we were there like two weeks like before. COVID. Yeah. Or... So, and we went to the ranch. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we were on the main Island for about a week and then we went to, um, we were in Honolulu for like three days. We went up to turtle Bay for a couple yeah. of days and that's when we went to the ranch. Okay. So my brother works at turtle Bay. He oh, really? Like the VIP area. So yeah, I lived there when I was in high school. Okay. My dad's job took us out there. So my brother, Moved back there about five years ago. Oh, but my, wow. my best friend runs a ranch called, or his family owns a ranch called Kualoa. Yeah. It's been in their family since the 1800s. Yeah. Um, but they do ATV tours. And so we're going to start um, offering those at Beacon Skiff. That's it's kind awesome. of the, the idea that we saw. So hmm. um, something we haven't put out into the public yet, but we're excited yeah. about. We have a thousand acres, so why not let people, yeah. you know, cruise around? I'm sure my insurance broker loves loves <laughs> me talking about this. But there's so many fun fun things we can do, and it's hard to, like, I have a lot of ideas always in my head, and my team tells me to slow down sometimes yeah. because, you know, we want to be able to execute and focus and, and drive some of these ideas, yeah. ideas home. 
Yeah, the um, we did that ATV tour on the ranch when we yeah. were out there. It's amazing. Yeah, going through all those different sets. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's where they filmed Jurassic Park yeah. and a lot of you know Lost and a lot of cool movies. Oh yeah, so yeah, it's a it's a wonderful. I was on the phone last night with my brother who is um uh lives in Cincinnati, and we were on the phone and we were just thinking like what we were talking about like houses and moving and all that kind of stuff because my wife and I are getting ready to move into a new house and or looking you know we're about to buy this house so. Uh, we're talking about that and I was like, but why am I, why are we still in Syracuse? Like I love Syracuse, right. but why am I not in California? Why am I not in San Diego? Or, right. You know, why don't we just move to Hawaii? You know? Absolutely. Well, I always like to say, if I could pick up Vegan Skiff and move it somewhere else, I, you know, would I do that? Probably, you know, I, but it's all about like people embrace things here, right? Like yeah. they, they love, like, you know, there's some hardy folks here living in central New York yeah. and, and, you know, it'd be hard to, Hard to re- recreate what we built here anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so so that's been fun, but it takes it takes a lot of work. And um, what do you think? Like I think of like talking about Hawaii and you know the ranch and how much of its tourism. Yeah. Um, what do you think those numbers are for Beacon Skiff for locals versus tourists coming in from? You know, yeah, that's a great. I mean, we it's such a contingent of local people. I think right, like yeah. Maybe we maybe some people from Pennsylvania come up, but a lot of communities have their their orchards. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've seen is, is we've added the concerts as we've gotten more and more national acts. We've gotten people coming from That's from cool. all over. Like there's an artist called Noah Kahan, yeah, who's playing this this summer at Beacon Skiff. I had never heard of him, but mm. like in the college scene, he's a he's a big deal. But it's yeah. sold out in like ten minutes. Wow. But we're seeing people come from all over to see that show and. Mm. So, and that, what's cool about that is that's people that are going to discover Beacon Skiff who've never, never, would have never thought to come and, yeah. and yeah, they're going to come and drink our products and take it home with them and, yeah. and experience it. And that's, that's kind of how the momentum has, has built over the years. Yeah. Um, are the, I'm, I'm fascinated by all the business stuff, obviously. And most of our listeners, I think are other restaurant owners or business owners, yeah. you know, so, um, so that's why I'm really harping on all these questions because uh-huh. I'm fascinated by it. Um, the concerts, you've got to, the money's got to come from, I mean, it's got to be so expensive to bring these acts in. Yeah. So we know. actually did a partnership with um, Dan Smalls Productions. Okay. So he's a local concert promoter, um, did a lot of the shows at Oma Gang okay. and um, yeah. some of the other other places. He runs the State Theater at Ithaca. And mm. we just hit it off. Actually, Tommy Lincoln introduced the two of us oh, cool. and we and we hit it off and, um, you know, built went from, you know, more local shows to building this, this big in, you know, scene. And, and it's hard to think it's, you know, at some points we can compete with the amphitheater now in terms of some of the acts that yeah. we're getting. And that's been exciting. We did 18 shows last year. Wow. Uh, pissed off all my neighbors, um, <laughs> but managed to, to get through another season. But that's been, you know, just, just that partnership has been amazing. But what's, you know, the big payback for us is just people come and try our products and, and yeah. just have that be- beacon skiff authentic experience and then maybe they come back again or they they discover us in a grocery store Hmm. but uh it's yeah when these artists roll through you know we had death cab for cutie which was one of my favorite bands you know to see them Mm. at beacon skiff you know having a (laughs) cider is 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 fun yeah and and it's it makes it worth it Hmm. but it's you know inevitably at every show some some kid eats a whole bag of mushrooms and, you know, thinks he's going to fly. And then, you know, we're having to, you know, get him out of the orchard at two in the morning. So there's, there's, there's that behind the scenes stuff that you don't, not everyone hears about, but it's part of the game. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, you know, going to Hawaii and kind of bringing that back, uh, you know, bringing like the ATV tours, you know, right. to Beacon Skiff. Is it challenging to try and find that even though, you know, like you've said, you all have tried to have stayed really authentic to like central New York and what that means. Has it, has it been hard over the years to like have an idea for something that just ultimately doesn't fit central New York vibes? Yeah. I think, you know, I'm trying to think of like a specific example of that. I mean, one, one challenge we have at Beacon Skiff is just the seasonal, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's seasonal. Like our main campus isn't open right now. So we have a limited amount of time where we can make that business, that business go. But yeah. you know, one, one business that I never thought, would work as as we did did concerts over the years uh we had issues with neighbors so we acquired some of the houses around beacon mm-hmm. skiff and that actually turned into another business where we do airbnbs now so people mm-hmm. can come out and stay at beacon skiff but mm-hmm. that was another thing we discovered um that was happening at another you know friend's place another ranch type of environment 
And I never thought people would want to come stay up at Beacon Skiff, but we, we, people, people like yeah. to do that. Um, they like to be up there to be able to walk to a show or walk to apple picking. Oh yeah. Um, so, so yeah, lots of things. The, the one, the one thing we're not, we're trying not to do is weddings. We, you know, we've, <laughs> um, I think two or three years ago we had a wedding at, um, on a Saturday and it was an outdoor wedding and it was pouring, pouring rain. They were in a tent, mm. but my phone, I opened my phone. I had like 15 missed calls from the mother of the bride <laughs> Who thought it was necessary for me to close our entire tasting room, which, you know, it was October, so we probably had a thousand people at Beacon Skiff. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I thought maybe this isn't worth it to, you know, rent the space for $3,000. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe that's not a business we want to be in anymore. So, yeah, we don't we do, don't do too much of that anymore. That's I think that's anytime my wife and I, we went to some, we went to a friend's wedding, I forget the venue, somewhere out in Rome. It was like this massive, you know, area, outdoor space. Uh, they got married right next to like this gorgeous pond, and there was this beautiful building where it had the reception, and they had all these like cabins out in the back where the bridal party could stay, yep. you know. And and I was just think I was like, Stan, I was like, this is this is the business. I was like, honey, I found the business that we can both yeah. do together. This is it. We're gonna buy land. We're gonna start a wedding venue. Yeah, you know, catering hall, do all of that. And so I think that's maybe my like dream business one day is to yeah. have that. Oh, if you like actually dedicate yourself to it yeah. you could do amazing if it's something you're trying to do on the side <laughs> that's when you get that's when you get get yourself in trouble and, and everything i do at beacon skiff i throw myself yeah. head first into because you know we're, i'm doing we do like job reviews this time of year with our employees and like it's we talk a lot about passion at beacon skiff and it's cliche but like when you have that passion mm-hmm. you know my one of my biggest fears is retirement like mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what i would do do mm-hmm. with myself in retirement and i know a lot of people Actually, I read a stat: seventy percent of people in the U.S. like hate their jobs. Yeah, like actually hate. They <laughs> they literally get up in the morning and hate going to work. Hmm. And I think I think to myself, how horrible must that be? Yeah. When you think about like the percentage of your life you spend working that you you hate something that you do. So I encourage hmm. people at Beacon Skiff, like if you don't like this, like do some do something else, or if you don't feel hmm. like there's there's room to grow, it's you know, finding that passion for what you do is, is amazing. And, Mm. you know, there's a lot of passion at Beacon Skiff and it, and I think it shows in the, in the product that we're, we're putting out there. Um, if you were kind of going through the motions, you know, you could get stagnant, you know, when you just look at like our cider releases every year, we're trying to come out with new, it can be exhausting, continue to come out with new, (laughs) new products, but we, we like to be the trendsetters in the industry and come out, especially in the, in the hard cider business. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I found like, you know, talking about 70% of people who hate their jobs. I think um, I've definitely been there before. And I've noticed around here recently, and I, I fall victim to this all, like I'm finally getting to the point now. I don't know if it's like try, being a dad and like trying to think, even though, you know, my son's three three months old. And so he's yeah. not really grasping a whole hell of a lot. Right. So, uh, although I will say we were watching, I had him, I was up with him late one night uh, when he couldn't sleep and we were sitting downstairs in the living room and I had something on Netflix. I think it was like The Walking Dead or just something that was like a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. And he's just started freaking out, you know, crying. And yeah. just, and then I put on The Office and he was like, chill, you know. And uh, so, but anyways. Yeah, so he was grasping a little bit of what was happening. Right. And uh, But I noticed myself here just being a little bit more negative, you know, just kind of, you know, I'm sure, you know, maybe it's the time of year or whatever the case is, but. I I used to live in Texas for about three years, and I remember when I first moved there, one of the things that really stood out to me was people's mentality. You would ask some, you would see somebody, you know, a friend or whatever, and you'd, you know, hey, how's it going? Oh, things are great, wonderful, family's happy, wife's happy, got a great job, beautiful weather. Uh, around here, I don't see that as much, especially myself. Right. You know, it's like, hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, living the dream. Yeah. Right? You know, it's just like a little. Yeah, everybody's got know. a little bit of an edge to them. And right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's like, you know, I, I don't know if that's just like, that's just how it is. Are you trying to change the, you know, are you trying to change the area? Is it always going to be that way? Right. You well, know? It's, it's like, you know, it's easy to say, like, find your passion, but it's hard to, like, go out on your own and, like, try to do something and yeah. make that leap and you got a mortgage or you have, you know, you have a bunch of kids. It's, it's hard to, it's can be scary to start something. I think in a sense, not lucky, but I was fortunate in the sense that like Beacon Skiff had all this brand equity when I came in, Mm -hmm. right. It it had fallen on some hard times, but 
people knew knew the business. They knew they they recognized the brand. Yeah. And you know, we came in and maybe dusted it off a little bit, put a put a nice coat on it and and sent it out and people connected with it, but mm-hmm. Starting things from scratch is is hard. So you yeah. know, whether it's being in the restaurant industry, you know, in, t- in today's times, it's it's hard. A lot of people have struggled and gone under, and yeah, it's not not easy. No, not at all. It's um, I think the biggest thing you know, I'm I'm especially learning now over the past like couple of months is just how much dedication, how much time you know it really takes to run a restaurant. Um, and it's it's like a complete sacrifice. I don't. I really don't know how people do it who are like career and lifelong cooks or managers or servers or bartenders, right? And especially those who open a restaurant and you know ha- even have a little bit of success with it. You know where it's like you have to be up there all the time. Absolutely. I just watched the. You seen the bear? Yeah. The show. So my wife and I just finished that, and that's just crazy. Right. Like you know the behind the scenes of like what's happening the orders are coming through yeah. and everybody's yelling at each other and trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, we see that at Beacon Skip sometimes when there's a line of 400 people to get donuts and you yeah. run out of donuts and <laughs> you would have thought you stole somebody's kid. Like people freak <laughs> out, you know, there's, there's, there's this feeling that people, you know, when they come up there, they want, they want things the way they, they know them. So like, God forbid we change the pie recipe that week <laughs> or, you know, put sugar on the donuts the wrong way. You know, people, while that can be annoying, people know what they wanted. They've connected with that for years. Like we don't want to screw up somebody's like family traditions. And that's what we, when you mess with something at Beacon Skiff, you're messing with somebody's (laughs) family traditions, which when you put that in perspective, it's like, holy shit. Yeah, we are. You know, the people have grown up with this. Yeah. Don't don't mess it up. Right. And that's a lot of pressure. Are you more of the mindset? Um, Recently I was working with a restaurant owner and changing some of the recipes for the, for the better. And right. Um, their perspective was we've been served, we've sold, you know, a million gallons of this sauce and no one has ever complained about it and we're busy. So why on earth would you change it? What kind of mentality do you have? Are you more of the mentality of everything could always be made better? Or are you more of the mentality of it's not broke? Don't even look at it. Um, well, as my team would say, I'm always changing things. Yeah. Um, and I'm always looking, looking ahead and, you know, we never, we never get comfortable at Beacon Skiff and, so I think we're the other mentality of continue to improve, mm-hmm. but not just continue to improve, create new experiences, new things, and try to break this, break the cycle of like, you know, if you come to Beacon Skip, you see it this way, maybe you're going to, you try to change things, yeah. you know, shake, shake things up because we don't want to be stagnant um, in some of the things that we do. So it'd be easy not to add ATV tours. We don't need to add those, but like how cool would it be to ride an ATV around Beacon Skiff, you know, oh, on yeah. a sunset? not drinking a cider, drinking a cider after the <laughs> AT tour. But, but, you know, so it's, we, we think about that a lot. We, we always have the customer in, customer in mind, think about those experiences that, that they want to, they want to have, because what we have up there is a real gift and we want to share that with, with more people. Yeah. Do you get more excited as like the, the person in charge and making, you know, kind of, you know, picturing the future and the next thing, do you, are you more excited about, the beginning stages of something or kind of the end, like the final result, like, okay, here it is presented nice to the customer. Yeah. I love, I, I love the process of building, mm-hmm. building things and starting something new. It doesn't have to be big. So, um, you know, whether it's starting the Airbnbs or building the cannabis business, I like the, the process, Yeah, the process. And, you know, we're getting to the point now, the scale of, of Beacon Skip, I often wonder, am I the person to run the, you know, run this company <laughs> for the next next 20 years because it's gotten gotten to a big size but as of today i feel like i am i am the person for that but Mm. i love creating new things you know a lot of people look at beacon skiff in the cannabis business now as as an industry leader Mm. and what they don't realize is we took four years of millions and millions of dollars of losses Mm. um trying to get get ourselves to this to this point so it was you know it we haven't made a dollar in cannabis but we Mm. we've gotten ourselves to this point but even thinking that Beacon Skiff's a, a leader in cannabis is crazy to think about that we're, you know, even in that position. Um, and, you know, a lot of a lot of people from California or other states want to come work for Beacon Skiff because of just the position mm. we are in the industry. So that's That's fun. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talking about a brand new industry of jobs for people in central New York. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I have a cousin who lives out in Oregon and, and 
talking to him about that industry out there and all the jobs and all the different levels from the production, you know, the farming of it to, you know, packaging or whatever the case is. Uh, I mean, it's got to, it's, it's going to open up so many different doors. Yeah. And there's for, some higher paying jobs in there in that space too. Yeah. Um, so, so the person who emails me, you know, and tells me I'm going to hell from cannabis, you know, I like <laughs> to think of the, you know, the, the 40 year old mom who's, you know, maybe going to smoke a free roll tonight or, yeah. <laughs> or have a beverage and maybe be a little bit nicer to her husband and yeah, her you kids. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, yeah. she's not going to run off and do something crazy or crash her car <laughs> as a result of using cannabis. It's just more of to relax and have a good time. Yeah. So are, are there, uh, do you have to deal with, or I shouldn't say have to deal with, but have you had offers from like, I have to imagine Beacon Skiff is this massively attractive company to purchase from, other massive companies yeah um yes we've absolutely been been asked to sell the company and um you know what we like to think is we're we're trying to get to that sixth generation and yeah and but but it comes with a lot of a lot of pressure right when you when you think about how what that next generation looks like you know i don't ever want to put the expectation on my kids that oh your job is to run the family you know yeah. run the family business mm. as attractive as that may be you know maybe she wants to be my daughter today wants to be a vet and that's mm. great too and i'd never want to saddle him with that so what what the sixth mm. generation looks like i don't know but in terms of acquisitions absolutely mm. but i don't know what the hell i'd do with myself if i sold <laughs> if i sold beacon skip i'd probably you know start a little business on the side and have to build that but i'm having way too much fun to think about yeah think about selling it and and Putting it, putting it in someone else's hands would be a little bit scary. Yeah. Uh, when my family, when we first came in and, and um, took over, the fifth generation took over the business, there was this rumor that um, my, my dad had actually worked in Hong Kong, or still works in Hong Kong, hmm. for 15 years. There was this rumor that the Chinese had bought Beacon Skiff that was, like, <laughs> floating around the interwebs. And that was really funny. And people were freaking out that, yeah. you know, Beacon Skiff had been bought by the Chinese and what was going to happen. But it was all bullshit. It was just, yeah, you know, a rumor. But... Not on my watch. Yeah. So I've got the two other, two last questions for you. Uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but um, at what point, you know, did when you stepped in to run Beacon Skiff, did you, was there like a breaking point where it kind of realized like, okay, we've gone from this large, but still family farm. Not that it's still not a family farm, but you know what I mean? Like we've gone from this like large scale farm, but still kind of small and central New York-y to now this huge brand that seems you know just massive and in, in right on any in any market but especially here in central new york like at what point did that yeah like what, at what point did you kind of wake up and say holy cow we're so we're like it's a completely different space now i mean because yeah right it really is i mean like i said even from you know 16 years ago when i was you know in high school i remember going there with like cousins and they're like you know like little kids that were visiting yeah. and to now it's just this huge campus and there's right. 1911 and there's, you know, heirloom that's coming out and there's all these concerts. And I mean, it's just, it's a completely different animal. Yeah. I think when, you know, there was a, there was a moment last year when the, when Wegmans was visiting Beacon Skiff, their, their executive team and told us that they sold more last year of 1911 and they did a Budweiser hmm. nationally across all their stores. Wow. That was like a wow moment. It's like, wow, we really, you know, we're hmm. in their top 10 of alcohol brands sold this little cider brand from central New York. Hmm. That was a, that was a big moment. And then, you know, like I said, that Nathaniel Ratliff moment when we we're just a beacon's gift and all these people were, were kind of enjoying, you know, him who's going to be selling out arenas probably this year, you know, he's, he's yeah. on his way up, you know, that was, that was a big moment, but you know, we, we stay, humble and we continue to try to make central new york proud and try to first and foremost create make our experience experience of beacon skiff the best and when people come back year after year you know leaving leaving them wowed like they've they've had this great great experience that's what it's all about is creating creating um those those connections so you know we're humbled that we've grown this much and that that people enjoy the brand but you know we, we got to keep doing it year after year and that's that's yeah. what excites us yeah so one thing, um, oh shoot, what is his name? Who owned Peachtree Sandwich Company? Oh, it's going to drive me crazy, and he's going to listen to this. He's going to feel so <laughs> upset with me. Uh, oh my god. Anyways, uh, Dave, I got to I got to pause and look this up. I was just messaging him, and if I don't say his name, he's going to get super. Yeah, where is Peachtree's 
Well, they closed now, unfortunately. Peachtree was in DeWitt. David Anastasio. Thank you. Uh, Peachtree was a small little sandwich shop that opened up in DeWitt in that kind of weird plaza that's hard to get into. Yeah. Um, he was open for a little over a year and then shut down just because it was it was like there was like two two seats in the entire place. And it was just kind of a weird thing. And, and he did some amazing food, but it was really labor intensive. Um, but I had David on and he asked me to ask all of the guests as the final question, why is it that you do what you do? Well, that's, that's a great question. I mean, selfishly, it, it helps me get out of the bed in the morning. It, I get so much excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's about legacy and creating, um, something that is going to last for the next hundred years. So like creating something that can be passed on to my kids mm-hmm. um, and something that they can be proud of uh, is one side of it. And then the other side is the 150 plus employees that work at Beacon Skiff. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I work for all of them. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the beginning it was some people had side hustles and they'd come work for us. But but now we have people that um, their entire careers are Beacon Skiff mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they support families with four or five kids and that's a huge uh, responsibility when you think about it that that i'm i'm personally responsible to uh support them and make sure mm-hmm. that they're growing so all of my employees you know we, we don't like to be stagnant we all like to keep growing as the company grows so that those are the things that uh get me out of bed in the morning whether they mm-hmm. they create some pressure but you know pressure pressure as they say creates diamonds and 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 we keep we keep growing and mm-hmm. creating new things so yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us quickly uh, about, I mean, obviously everybody can go visit Beacon Skiff and 1911 yeah. Hard Cider and everything, but tell us a little about, about Heirloom and, you know, uh, is there a is there an expected date for that to launch in Central New York? Or is it just based on regulation? Yeah, well, first the name comes from, so, so Heirloom apples are traditionally um, the hardest apples to grow on the farm. <laughs> um, they're the lowest yielding, but they create the the best hard cider apples, mm. um, or the apples make the best hard cider. So that's that's where the name comes from. Mm. And we spelled it a little differently, so A Y R L O O M. Um, but you know, currently there's two legal dispensaries about to be three in New York City, yeah. and a lot of the future licenses will be in the Metro New York area. Okay. Uh, right now, Central New York's under this injunction, which I won't get into because it's yeah. very complicated. But hopefully. Uh, the next few months, you know, my buddy Mike Flynn, I'm hoping he can get his yeah. dispensary down Armory Armory Square up <laughs> and running. Uh, it's incredible what he's built there. But, you know, you'll be able to buy heirloom uh, cool. locally. You know, even if you have to go to Binghamton or Schenectady, I think in the next two two or three months, that'll be that'll okay. be an option for people. Hmm. Um, and and eventually there'll be lots of brands in the space. But right now we're one of four or five. And. Um, you know, we are going to tell that authentic New York story. So mm. brands are going to come from California, but we're going to tell that authentic family family business story and create new and unique flavors. And mm. um, but everything will be standing on quality, and that's that's what we we do best. And uh, hopefully, people try the product and go on to do great things, and mm. you know, <laughs> expand their mind. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, awesome. Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you are listening to this and you want to become a sponsor of the podcast, maybe you're a business owner, a restaurant owner, maybe you're a business owner who wants to reach restaurant owners, reach out, anthonyeatlocalnewyork.com, and we'd love to have you because I love doing this podcast. I'd love to be able to keep moving it forward, and I'm trying to get away from managing social media for restaurants. So one of the ways to do that would be to get podcast sponsors. Uh, So reach out to me, anthonyeatlocalnewyork.com. And we'll chat. All right. Thanks, everybody. We're going to catch you back here next week on the Eat Local New York podcast. Creep into your